here for a chat, and we have Sarah Sirota. Sarah is a politics reporter for The Intercept. She has recently published a piece with The Intercept titled, How the Leading Republican Candidate for Missouri Senate Seat Lost Coke Support. There will be a link to that in the show notes. It is a must-read, even if you're not even in Missouri, it's a must-read. Uh, and as somebody who closely follows Missouri politics, I found it to be encyclopedic uh, in its nature. I thought it was very, very good read. And I know, Rachel, you were talking about how much this this nails something that we've been talking about. I, I have to say, Sarah, first of all, thank you so much for uh, coming on this morning yeah. and making time. Um, I know there's a lot going on uh, in the D.C. world of politics right now. There, I, there always is, but uh, with everything going on with Russia, I'm sure you're, you guys are busy. And I know you've been writing about that as well. Again, thank you. And thank you for writing this because one of the reasons we're really motivated to do this podcast is because not nearly enough attention nationally is ever focused on the money behind politics in places like Missouri. And we were just talking before we rolled about how influential lobbyists are here because of the draconian nature of term limits on Missouri politics. And this really does shine a gigantic kind of almost prescriptive light on how that works in Missouri. So I just wanted to, again, say thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you both so much for having me. I'm, I'm really touched to be here and uh, excited to talk about the story and the issue of mega donors and big money in, in politics. Rachel, why don't you kick us off? Let's have a chat. So I guess my first question is, obviously, Roy Blunt's retiring, and this is this piece is about sort of what's going on, the battle behind his seat. I'm curious what drew your attention to this particular Senate battle, because there's a lot of contentious Republican primaries going on around the Midwest. And what was it that drew your attention to this one in particular? And how did you sort of start uncovering the the rubric of money behind both Greitens and Schmidt? Yeah, so I've uh, naturally been very interested in the role that big money plays in politics, whether it's uh, on the Democrat or Republican side. So I check Federal Election Commission records pretty often to see the money that's flowing into these races. And I noticed this major independent expenditure from Americans for Prosperity, the Coke-backed super PAC for Eric Schmidt. That stood out to me because it's still fairly early in the primary and they tend to not get very involved um, this early, and especially for non-incumbent. It intrigued me to see hundreds of thousands of dollars coming in from them for this one candidate. So naturally, I had to research, well, who is this Eric Schmidt? And found him to be a very colorful personality who, to put it mildly, who sued China, who has sued the Biden administration multiple times, who's been accused by local counties of uh, doing this a campaign of litigation terror. And mm-hmm. so naturally that intrigued me, you know, who is this candidate that the Cokes are getting behind and then saw, well, he's not even in the lead. There's this other candidate, Eric Greitens, who's in the lead. And he seems to be more of the Donald Trump aligned candidate, you know, has Kimberly Guilfoyle, Rudy Giuliani behind him, you know, started doing research into him and all of his scandals and his past. And, um, you know, naturally, it sort of seemed to be this interesting story about, well, there's this more Trump aligned candidate, there's this sort of Coke aligned candidate. And there were a lot of stories in the 2016 period about this tension in the Republican mega donor class between the Trump aligned and the non Trump aligned donors. Um, but as I read more, you know, it seemed that there was a lot of very specific Missouri context mm-hmm. politics that were going on in this race that needed to be explored besides this general national narrative. Um, so I just spent a lot of time researching all the money um, and history of lobbyists and big donors in local Missouri politics and and that led to the story. So we'll let folks read the story, but I want to unpack some of the nuggets 
in there, sure. based on what you had found and, and come across, is it safe to say that Eric Greitens is the Trump candidate or is this still an open discussion? I, I do think it's an open discussion. I mean, he certainly tries to portray himself as the most Trump aligned candidate, but I mean, we do have Billy Long, who uh, you know doesn't have who doesn't have um, the rankings and the polls that Eric Greitens has. By the way, you said that right. Yeah. You said that we have we Billy have Long. we do have. Like Billy you just Long. kind of you just kind of you what your voice kind of drifted down the correct way when you talk about him. I just wanted to let you know that is that is perfectly on point. And Vicky Hartzell would agree with that tone. Yes, she would. Yes, she would. <laughs> Um, but from what I understand, I mean, he had a very close relationship with Trump while mm-hmm. he was in office, and he also does have uh, Kellyanne Conway on his team. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also know that there is conversations, I believe, about Congressman Jason Smith, rumors that he might jump into the race if he can secure that Trump endorsement. So I think it's still an open question about who yeah. is the number one Trump candidate, but Eric Greiden certainly of the pack, I think, has the most Trump allies, and he's the one most sticking out his neck opposing Mitch McConnell mm-hmm. um, and aligning with Trump on Republican Senate leadership, which I think is a very huge dynamic, you know, deeply opposed to the 2020 election results, which is something that's fairly consistent. Right. Yeah, I think it's an open question, but I think he's, from my understanding, sticking out the most right now. It's interesting that Jason Smith, he he's kind of cooled off. He was uh, really hot and heavy for a couple of months posting, I mean, just okay. constantly hitting social media. And then it was like he just disappeared uh, mm. suddenly. So I don't know if he somebody gave him, put the, you know, hand around the shoulder and said, hey, bud, it's it's not going to happen. So <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll have to see about that. So, okay. So we'll, we'll pencil Greitens in for now. Um, that was kind of my, I, I asked it cause it's sort of my takeaway from how you had written it. Uh, that sounds like my understanding too. Um, I'll give a little bit of other sort of local knowledge background about Greitens. So after he was unanimously kicked out of the Missouri Republican Party while he was governor for being um, just a mess, he was doing some of the things that they really like, but then he got caught up in some, you know, as you point out, your article campaign finance scandal. And then there was that woman he tied up in his basement. And, and let's not let's not undercut Josh Hawley getting to take down one of his main writers. Yeah, that you and you mentioned that also in your article, which is which is like super insider knowledge of Missouri that Josh Howley It's actually George Harley. Absolutely hates Eric Ray. Oh, I am very curious to know what is going through Josh Hawley's mind right now when he sees Eric Wrightens <laughs> as the what's lead going, candidate. <laughs> what's going through Josh Howley's mind is I would like Vicki Hartzler to win the Senate primary. That's what's going, I think, personally. Oh, I think you think more than Schmidt? Oh, yes, yeah. Yes, oh, yes. absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So what is that? I'm, I'm not a Missourian. What, what is it about well, Hartzler? So Hartzler has the kind of same sort of um, Christian, like populist, mm-hmm. faux populist, pro-Trump vibe that Howley does. And Howley rose to power and just sort of like leapfrogged off of the attorney general's office and he didn't have a full term. You might say he was Um, climbing the ladder. A little. Yeah. Eric Schmidt is not, they're not really allies. No, I didn't think so. No, No. not at all. Uh, In fact, Josh uh, Hawley is an army of one. Yes. And so he doesn't want to, this is just my kind of understanding. I don't think he would want to sort of stump with anybody who will upstage him, Mm -hmm. particularly because he clearly has presidential aspirations. Yes. Um, And Vicki Hartzler, is exactly the kind of candidate for Missouri that he will be happy to stump on the campaign trail with. She's an arch Christian conservative. Uh, She's a Phyllis Schlafly acolyte. Uh, Schlafly mentored her. She's been in the house for 12, 
Uh, since 2010, yeah. She's, she's yeah, in her yeah, 12 decade. years. And she is, if you look up like ridiculous things people have said about abortion, like Vicki Hartzell will just like pop right up in the top of your feed and right after maybe or just alongside Josh Howley. So they could completely kind of do the evangelical campaign trail together throughout Missouri mm. and it would wouldn't be threatening to him. Uh, she doesn't serve as a threat to him uh, sort of on the yeah. national political stage. Right. She's and, a perfect uh, number two for him. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And they would. Some, I was just going to say that something that intrigued me about Vicki Hartzler is, you know, she's, I think she's currently ranked third. And, you know, Eric Greidens and Eric Schmidt both have these very colorful reputations in Missouri. But Vicki Hartzler, you know, from my conversations with local political experts, their understanding of her is that, you know, say what you will about her politics, she's been a consistent conservative um, her whole life, whereas Eric Greidens and Eric Schmidt have not. And so what is it about her that all of these mega donors, are not getting behind her, but are choosing Eric Schmidt as the alternative to Eric Greitens. I'm curious I'll, what you guys think about that. I'll, I'll start. Uh, you're interviewing us. This is kind of fun. Um, so I, I think Don't it's need to the, do that. I'm just, I'm so curious. No, I love that. Why I found are, that every time we have somebody who's in journalism, that it always becomes like that. I love it. Okay, more like a round, it's a <laughs> yeah, round table. Exactly. We'll call it a round table. I know you guys, you guys are the local Missouri experts. I, I want to understand. Think, I'll say it's kind of a two point answer and the coffee hasn't quite kicked in yet. So f- pardon me if I stumble. I think there's two things going on. One that you, as you absolutely completely correctly pointed out that uh, the big donor class is very concerned that Greitens will be another women have their own way of handling abortion after rape Aiken, right? Like that he's a Todd Aiken 2.0 and that uh, there, there are a couple of pretty strong candidates on the Missouri uh, democratic side of the Senate race Mm -hmm. who would, I don't know that that I would say they would handily beat a Greitens, but it would be a a more even race than it would be if it were, say, Schmidt. I don't know that Vicki Hartzler has certainly all the things that dark money candidates like. She's no friend to labor. She's no friend to environmental regulation, like all the things that dark money likes. I could see if, I mean, she's raised a lot of money already. My feeling is, is that she announced a little bit later than the other two did. I think as soon as Eric Schmidt announced his candidacy, he kind of looked like the obvious sort of rival to, we called him the two Eric's. I mean, he was seemed like the obvious rival to Eric Greitens. I wouldn't be surprised because Schmidt's not polling well right now. I, I think it's honestly because like Eric Greitens, this disgusts me to say this because I think he's such a horrible person. And I know people that have known him his whole life. You know, it's it, he grew up here. And so I know, I know a lot about what he's really like as a person. Um, so I hate saying this out loud, but he is telegenic. So I think like it's easy for people to sort of like look at him and he's got the big smile and the blue eyes and he looks good in a suit and all that. So it's easy for him to kind of have the name appeal. But um, yeah. I think that what Vicki Hartzler is doing is pretty shrewd. She's kind of staying in the background a little bit, bidding her time. And as far as, you know, why big, you know, it's interesting, maybe because the Missouri, the abortion laws are kind of an embarrassment to like the Missouri Chamber of Commerce. Eric Schmidt isn't as connected to those pieces of legislation as Vicki Hartzler is. So maybe because they're, they're not happy about those laws at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they may be looking at, at, at Schmidt, like a more sort of passable, secular, possibly. Right. That's yeah, that's something else that's intrigued me within the big donor Republican class is sort of this tension between the party's Christian, very conservative religious roots, and then, you know, the more free market advocacy wing that's not as focused on issues of like abortion and, and other Christian values, but more economically focused and maybe Eric Schmidt more easily fits into that category than Vicki Hartzler. That was exactly so I had that 
a question about like, you know, we can't ignore Eric Schmidt because he's suing all these, right? He sued 45 schools as of January 26th when we're recording this. He fi- yeah, just to remind everybody, he sued, he filed suit against 39 school districts in a day. In last a day. Week. Yeah. Which is wow. not something that For, you do casually. Yeah. I am a lawyer. Filing 39 lawsuits in one day means you've been prepping 39 lawsuits for a while. Like that's right. not a casual thing that you just drop. I mean, we have more, almost as many schools being sued right now as are closed right now for COVID absence. So that's an interesting twist there. But and I thought he said, by the way, I thought his office also announced yesterday he's going to file more. Yeah, there's going to be not more. done yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they got to stretch. I mean, it's getting him a lot of attention in the local press. It's right, I mean, exactly. Giving well, him he hasn't name gotten the national press yes yet on it. And I he's think he's been he really on Tucker a couple times. Yeah. <laughs> and much to his consternation, his 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 poll ratings have not moved an right. inch. Hasn't changed against the, the other Eric. Yeah, yeah, because Tucker's people are all watching OAN now, and that's where you can get the uh, you know the other oh. Eric. So, <laughs> but that's you know your piece contends about like Schmidt being from what I took from it that he's the darling for the Coke money, and that it's not Hartzler, it's not Long. So that seems to be kind of what you're hitting at is that Schmidt doesn't have that pure cultural thing. He's, he kind of straddles that line between the business class and the culture class of the Republican Party. Yeah, I feel like he has sort of found this issue that appeals to both, you know, the more populist anti-establishment instincts of Missouri voters mm-hmm. and what they wanted in Trump, while also appealing to the big business issues of mega donors, which is something that I tried to hit on. And, and you know, the, the Daily Poster did a pretty good story about how Cokes are funding this anti-mask, uh, anti-vaccine Mm-hmm. intellectual movement and you know he's one of the leading attorney generals in the country about that issue right. and again it appeals to those anti-establishment instincts of voters it appeals to what the cokes want and so he sort of manages to straddle this line between being the populist figure as well as you know the fiscal conservative that these donors want it's weird too because he's now he's making the mask thing their new line is making it about disability children with disability having to wear masks mm-hmm. is a big part of it i, I Eric Schmidt uh, and I both have a, a child with disabilities in Missouri schools. Now, his is in a private school. Mine is actually in a public school. And my child's disability makes it to where she cannot, literally physically cannot wear a mask. She doesn't, her arms will flail and it grabs, she has wears glasses and she grabs whatever is around her face and rips it off. So we're very happy that the adults around her would be wearing masks because she's also too young to be vaccinated at this point. It's kind of interesting because they're saying, well, this is for children with disabilities. It's like, well, you didn't ask us because it's not for ours. (laughs) And so, but they're flipping it on its head. Do you think that the, the mega donors just don't really care about that issue that they're just, whatever, do your mask thing we're more worried about the business stuff. And as long as you don't step on those toes, we don't really care about that stuff. From my understanding, I mean, the the main driving issue for these big mega donors like Charles Koch is the issue of government infringement on private business. And that's their driving issue. So to the extent that mask and vaccine mandates could halt businesses from being able to continue their daily business, that's that's their main concern. So I think let's go ahead and jump to Peter Thiel. So Sarah, I'm not sure, like Missouri is a weird, uh, we were talking about Missouri is a weird bellwether. It's also, uh, you know, we pay a lot of attention to kind of our Eric's because we're so concerned about them getting better and better <laughs> jobs. And speaking of, after Eric Grindens was disgraced out of office, after a year, the Navy SEALs actually said, don't come back. You're not welcome. Yeah. He's retired. They were like, no, you can't come back. To, yep. You cannot have a desk job. And then Mike Pence called the Navy SEALs and said, give him a job. So 
He's very, very, very close with the Pence organization, which you mentioned in your piece, too. And I did read somewhere that, by the way, that like actual like Donald Trump actually reached out to him. I'm not sure if it was through Guilfoyle or if it was through other people or if he called him directly. I can't remember and said, like, don't do this. Like, just don't just don't run. And there was apparently like a brief split, such as it is between Father Trump and and Baby Trump about like who he was going to support in the Senate race. So I thought that was really interesting. I if you would, interesting, right? It's so dramatic. Um, <laughs> so if you could talk a little bit about Rex Singfield and um, yeah. Augie Bush and some of the other money that locally that's kind mm-hmm. of been pouring boards towards both of them and how that money shifted over the last few months too. Yeah. Um, so we have Rex Singfield, who, to my understanding, is a is a force in uh, Missouri politics, to put it mildly. To put it mildly, yeah. <laughs> He's, um, you know, funded uh, ballot initiatives to try and end the earnings tax in St. Louis. He, you know, is huge behind a lot of other initiatives. And so he's pouring a ton of money into Eric Schmidt, um, as is August Bush, um, and, and a few other Missouri mega donors. And something that intrigued me is, you know, as I said, initially, I was very interested in this national narrative between the Koch aligned wing of Republican Party versus the Trump aligned wing. But I think when you look at the Missouri specific donors like Sinkfield and Bush, it's not so easy to explain why they're choosing their candidates based on that split. Yeah. Um, I think Sinkfield is an interesting character in that although he was willing to get behind Trump in the past, I mean, I think, I don't think Trump was his favorite candidate in the 2016 presidential primary, but he eventually did endorse him. Whereas with Greitens, once he became the Republican candidate, he was never willing to get on board. He had gone all in behind uh, Catherine Hannaway, who meanwhile became Greitens' attorney when the accusations arose against him, I believe. So, so that dynamic is very interesting. He's always been opposed to Greitens, you know, whether it's Greitens passed as a secret Democrat in the past, or, you know, he just never liked his very anti-establishment attitude. Maybe he felt threatened by, you know, his control in Jefferson City and felt like Greitens has this very anti-corruption during the swamp kind of narrative that is sort of threatening to his influence in the Capitol. Um, but he was never willing to get behind him. So it's not really surprising that I guess we're now seeing him choose somebody like Schmidt, whereas with Bush, you know, and David Humphreys, who I also find to be a very interesting Missouri mega donor character, um, they both were willing to get behind Greitens when he became the Republican nominee. Mm -hmm. Now Bush is okay with Trump, despite misgivings he may have had with him in the past, but he's not sticking it out for Greitens. And maybe that's because Greitens has become just such a toxic personality within Mm -hmm. the very specific Missouri context or other reasons. And meanwhile, we have David Humphreys, who has just completely removed himself from donations to politicians, to what I understand, especially after, as you had mentioned earlier, a lot of discomfort with the anti-abortion laws that have been passed in Missouri, as well as uh, Josh Hawley's role on January 6th, um, and just the general direction of the Republican Party. So a lot of very interesting factors going on that are more Missouri specific than that national narrative and and split within the Republican party that I had mentioned. Those are really good points. I'll just mention that Humphreys reportedly, this is a while ago now going back to when Missouri passed its so-called heartbeat bill ban, Mm. heartbeat bill. Yes. Heartbeat bill. Yeah. Whatever. Ban bill. There we go. Um, uh, Humphreys was appalled. Yeah. And there were a lot of other kind of your more um, chamber of commerce kind of business class uh, mega donors in Missouri 
and and also like smaller conservative donors who uh, threatened at that time to disrupt kind of the political establishment of Missouri politics to get behind more secular conservative candidates because they were so afraid of what it was going to do to understandably Missouri's tax base and things like that. And then it just, I think they realized, I don't know if it's that they realized how hard it would be or they're just so rich that they don't really care that much, but the whole movement. So it could be that Schmidt is their answer to that. And they're happy Mm -hmm. to let him kind of sue his way into the Senate because at least he again, looks like somebody who's just going to do what they want to do, which is to pass, you know, anti-union legislation, um, keep wages low, and, you know, eventually get rid of public schools, which is the other huge objective of dark money people here is to is to pass laws that completely defund the public school system, which is another huge aspirate. That's part of kind of what's really kind of motivating uh, Schmidt, too, which is kind of the ugly part that uh, nobody likes to mention. But I would like to hear what you think about Peter Thiel and like what he's up to uh, with this particular session and where his money's going, because like the guy loves to spend on anyone who's going to get rid of income taxes and social security. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he does. And and he, he also is a, an interesting force in this race. And I was trying to make sense of why is he going for Eric Schmidt as opposed to Eric Greitens. I'll, just, know, I'll was, just mention too, for people that don't know, sorry, that Peter Thiel is a billionaire. Uh, he's from, he's a Silicon Valley guy. I always forget the name of his current uh, sort of umbrella corporation that he just sort of develops tons of technology under, but he's the founder of PayPal uh, right. is what he's really known for. And has no other connection to Missouri. Correct. <laughs> right. Um, other than his very close ties to Josh Hawley. Right. Hey folks, Adam Summer here for the rest of the Heartland Pod. Just wanted to let you folks know, if you're new to the show, you can find us on the social medias with Facebook, Heartland Pod, Instagram, the same way. Uh, also on Twitter, at the Heartland Pod. That's where we are the most active. You can find links to all of our shows on every platform over at heartlandpod.com, as well as a link to sign up on our Patreon to support us, become a podhead or a podgressive, and support us and help us changing the conversation today. We have shows all five days of the week. So check them out. Different offerings every single day, Monday through Friday. Now back to our chat with Sarah Sirota. In my speculation, I was curious whether or not his ties to Josh Hawley and, you know, the bad blood between Hawley and Greitens and Hawley not probably wanting Greitens alongside him in the Senate. Could that have led Peter Thiel to go behind Eric Schmidt as opposed to Greitens? That um, certainly I will... makes sense, yeah. Yeah, I mean, curious. I I don't know. I will say also that Peter Thiel, for the money that he is pouring into the Missouri Senate race, despite not having any ties that I'm aware of to the state, um, I mean, it it's nowhere near the kind of money that he spent, for example, in Arizona, where he has one of his uh, venture capital uh, fellows right. running for Senate. Um, and I think is spending, yeah, Blake Masters and is spending like $10 million or something to prop <laughs> yeah. him up. But we should say that, that Thiel has given as much as a quarter of a million dollars, um, to dark money packs in Missouri. So as much oh, as 100%. it's not as much money, um, I mean, he's one oh, of the it's wealthiest. Not comforting for yeah. you know yeah. the state of American <laughs> politics and yeah. thinking yeah. that you know these yeah. oligarchs 
you know, oh, they're only, no, it's not a small it's a role that it's they're only playing. a quarter right. mil, it's nothing. Only if, a quarter million. Yeah, a, I mean, deal. a quarter of a million means nothing to one of the wealthiest men alive, but like it does, it does do something uh, to a state that only has 6 million people in it. So. Right. 100%. And I didn't mean to minimize that. I'm just trying to put into context <laughs> oh, no, how yeah, much yeah. money yeah. these yeah. people have and are spending on American, exactly. buying American politicians. Yeah. That was his $5 click now donation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If only. Uh, Coke also is not from Missouri, but he has at least AFP um, and Richard Uline, and, um, who I also wrote about, has specific experience lobbying and advocating for certain policies in Missouri. Whereas somebody like Peter Thiel, I mean, he doesn't have the same ideological advocacy background that groups like Americans for Prosperity and Club for Growth have. Um, His role is is a little bit more perplexing to me um, and, and why he's getting involved in this race. You know, it's not like he has a professional relationship with Eric Schmidt in the way that he does with Blake Masters. Um, So, Yeah, very confusing, but important to note, because if Eric Schmidt does become the next senator from Missouri, and he does have now these ties to a very far right mega donor, and that's important to note. I'll say I think one of the things that draws people like Thiel to Missouri, or maybe what draws their their attention, is that Missouri in many ways is a conservative dark money success story Mm -hmm. because of term limits. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. The term limits that are in place in Missouri... Uh, make it such that voters can't develop relationships with lawmakers. Lawmakers don't feel like they're in, in any sort of their, they know that their time is limited. And so they're there just to make names for themselves and then leave. And they only Republican, you can basically have a pulse and run in a safe district in Missouri. If you're a Republican, win statewide election or at least a election to statewide office um, to the you know state assembly or state Senate, and then just pack Alec, and then just pass and introduce and pass ALEC written legislation. And that's exactly what people want on the national stage is term limits and lobbyists that get to write um, policies. And uh, there's been some real success here with them basically being able to tell local jurisdictions that they can't punish polluters. Um, And so there's all these use cases. And also that ties into dark money and their cozy relationship with the evangelical right, because they all kind of have a lot of sort of Venn diagram crossover between like, well, we don't, we want to deregulate schools because we want prayer in school. We want to deregulate schools because we don't like teachers unions. And so they Mm -hmm. have all had these kind of like side by side relationships and they're slowly, but surely completely undermining the rule of law in Missouri. Um, And so I think that for them, this is kind of a test. It's kind of a laboratory for how these policies could play out nationally. Yeah. So that's my, that's what I've observed over the last few years. But um, I think in your piece, you, you kind of draw the connections really well between how those things all work together. But I'll just, I'll finish up by saying like, nobody should snooze on, on Vicki Hartzler. Um, She knows it is such a crowded Republican field. We say this all the time on our podcast that she, it's such a crowded field right now. Um, in the Missouri uh, Republican Senate race that she, you know, she may eke through with 18% and win yeah. because there's just these other kind of like, you know, sort of like all you can eat male white conservatives. And then the woman that knows how to raise money and campaign in Missouri. She um, has the most money of any of them in terms of direct donation. Yeah. You note that in the piece that, and, and it does come from her house campaign account, but like, it's not, it's not like she has a hundred thousand dollars more. Like she has like double the money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she knows she doesn't have the super PAC money, but she does have those 
donors. Those and direct I think, donors. She, and, I'll, and I'll say that she knows Missouri better than either Eric, I think. I think that yeah. she knows the state better. She knows the voters better. She has local relationships um, with the kind of women who will turn out votes in churches and things like that. So she's yeah. got a ground game that I don't think either of the two of them have. So right when now something I see happened her- after you published the piece that is significant and she's been endorsed by Senator Joni Ernst. And I know for some people that may be like, well, what does that mean for Missouri politics? But, you know, if you're in northern Missouri, you're getting a ton of Iowa because there's a lot of overlap with the ag business between those two states. And Joni Ernst is a name you know for sure. And there's, you know, there's not an insignificant amount of votes up there. And Joni Ernst, you know, I, I we put on the on the Heartland Pod Twitter, like there's a picture of the two of them with the endorsement that Hartzler's uh, people put out on her Twitter feed. And it's like they're from the same lab of like, <laughs> like they're both the same, same, similar backgrounds, the haircut, the smile, the blaze, like, it's just like everything's just like, boom, 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 boom. And it's a perfect example of like, well, how's, how does she get elected? Well, how did Joni Ernst get elected? Cause it looks very, very similar. Do you think Hartzler though has the same statewide recognition that, uh, Greitens and Schmidt has? Cause I feel like that's something that she might be. I think, she could, I think she could easily get it. Um, I, I you know, there yeah, maybe are, not today. Right. And she by August. Will she be able to? Because I I think what she's doing is really, again, like I'm not endorsing, I'm not saying I approve of her politics or the things that she said or or any of those things. I'm just pointing out the obvious that she's a lot of things, but she's not an idiot. Um, Mm -hmm. She probably won't make a lot. If she is in the Senate, I don't think she's going to make a lot of friends. I think she'll, I don't don't know that she'll sit on any major committees. She certainly doesn't in the House. Um, But she has a war chest. Uh, that she can use to spend a lot of money uh, right before the primary. And she will not have exhausted her brand with Missouri voters yet. And she can hit on a lot of things that Missouri women, Missouri suburban religious women are very powerful in this state. Um, They decide a lot of, they make a lot of political decisions for the state of Missouri. And um, a lot of their spouses and family members and stuff will vote for candidates that remind them of those women. Mm-hmm. Or or feel like the person that that woman would want them to, whether it's their mother, their wife, their sister, their colleague, or whatever. And Vicki Hartzler is that woman. Mm-hmm. And so she's going to be able to flood the airwaves with as many ads as she wants in as many markets as she wants, saying, I'm currently in the House of Representatives. I came in with the Tea Party. I oppose Barack Obama. I'm a, currently in the House opposing the far left, whatever, socialist agenda of right. well, President While Biden. Eric Greitens was busy on TV and Eric Schmidt was busy, uh, you know, suing school districts, I was doing the work of the American people and the people of Missouri fighting against the Biden and she'll probably, agenda. And I could almost see her getting... Uh, the endorsement of somebody like, uh, oh, there's lots of House members that would probably endorse her for Senate because they know her, right? Mm -hmm. Like they have relationships with her and they're perfectly comfortable with an evangelical sitting over in the Senate who they know is going to play business with like tax cuts and all that kind of stuff. So she is, uh, I I think she'd be the natural Mike Pence pick. You would, that's a very good point. I think she, well, she, what, how did her vote split with the Donald? Did she not sort of vote not to certify? She voted not to certify. I forget. Like, yeah, she voted not to certify. Yeah. 
Okay, so she's different than Wagner. Wagner voted to Ann Wagner, who's one of our other big, mm-hmm. who would have absolutely walked away with the Senate race if she wanted it. Who um, didn't get in it once Vicki Hartzer got, like, it was like the same correct. day, like, Hartzer said, I'm running, and Wagner said, I'm running for House again. Right. Um, and a lot of speculation is that the person who's running against Ann Wagner, like, is someone that could really threaten her, too. Right. So it's a real, Wagner, it's a real race, yeah. They, 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 she's very well, Wagner's very well connected with national Republicans, too. Um, so it could be because of that, that, that Mike Pence, um, for all of his flaws, which are multiple, uh, because Hartzler didn't vote to certify the election, um, that's, a, that's a stain on him. And if he ends up running against Trump in 2024, uh, he's not going to want to align himself with anybody who um, objected to the election results, which you know, may mean that he needs to stay out of politics. It could just mean that he's got an older relationship with Greitens. I, you know, far be I it for me. I didn't come out and said anything about Greitens' run for Senate, or do you think he's, you know, views Greitens as toxic, potential Todd Akin 2.0 and wants I to haven't, stay away? I, I suspect that he probably is just going to stay out of it. Um, yeah. I, I think, think the that, Todd Akin comparison is fair for different reasons, but the, the sort right. of just like nothing good is going to come from association with this, uh, this type of yeah. thing. I was just going to say, I have heard some people push back on the comparison uh, to Todd Akin, um, you know, saying that um, Missouri is a much different state than it was 10 years ago, um, that it's much redder than it was, and that, you know, Todd Akin was a much more flawed candidate, not necessarily person, but as a political candidate, that he wasn't as suave as Eric Greitens is. And for all Eric Greitens' personal flaws, like he's a very charismatic guy. As you said, he goes on TV, he smiles, blue eyes. And yeah, I think I'll I'll quote Scott Fawn, Adam, which is something Mm -hmm. I don't do often. Scott Fawn is a conservative uh, journalist and owns. And if you want to understand Missouri politics, he's a good guy to pay attention to. Oh, I've read about Scott Fawn in the context of Greitens. Yeah. uh, I have a two-part episode that you can catch on our feed okay. from a couple of months and ago. On, right. And on that, Scott Fawn describes accurately, I think, uh, and I said this at the beginning of the uh, kind of the primary season when, when Eric Greitens threw his hat in the ring and everyone was terrified. I was like, yeah, he can't raise money, though. Like, mm-hmm. he's he's he can do a lot of things. He sort of got lucky in that he'd never been in politics before. Yeah. He showed up, he he turn-coded his political affiliations because Hard. it was going to take him too long to rise through the ranks of the Democratic establishment in Missouri because he didn't have any experience and because it's hard because of term limits and so forth. And he's from a very uh, purple part of St. Louis County. So Basically getting the into the same neighborhood as Eric Schmidt. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he... he um, he would have a very difficult time winning any, like, there'd be a lot of people that he'd have to sort of like jump over to get involved in anyway. So, uh, Greitens suddenly becomes a Republican, much to the shame and disgrace of his own family, I'm told. And, um, kind of fluked in on the Trump train. Mm-hmm. I think there was just a wave of popularity for that kind of anti-establishment, um, candidate. Uh, and I don't, think that he really knows how to campaign. That's what I'm saying. I don't really necessarily, I mean, he, you know, was just was kicked out of office for a campaign finance issue. Right. So the way Scott Fawn said it, which I think is accurate is that Eric Greitens is a speedboat mm-hmm. and he can go very fast and very hard in one direction for a while. And then eventually he's going to have to turn or he's going to have to refuel. And he doesn't know how to do either of those things. Yeah. Um, so, uh, whereas Aiken was just a, an idiot, Aiken's just a, a moron. He's just, he's just not a smart guy. No, I don't, I don't necessarily think Eric Wright is a particularly bright guy either. Um, but I don't know that 
Greitens is a lot like Trump in that I don't think anybody can like tell him what to do. I think he's a narcissist. I think he needs serious mental help. Um, I mean, he wouldn't be the first person in DC to say that about, but um, you know, if you're going to win a statewide race again, after being kicked out of office the first time, at some point you're going to have to listen to somebody who understands what the polls tell you. Mm -hmm. And there are a couple, there's, there's two candidates on the democratic side that would really sweat him uh, during a general um, a guy named Lucas Kuntz and a, and a former Missouri lawmaker named Scott Sifton. And those guys do know how to campaign. Yeah. Um, they do know how to kind of press the flesh. Sifton's already visited every county in Missouri uh, during his primary race. And yeah, if you haven't interviewed Kuntz yet, I don't know how, because he's on every outlet there is. So. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's <laughs> I've, I've actually, I've, uh, I've spoken with Lucas before and, and he, his candidacy, um, very much intrigues me because I think he's finding a way to appeal to that uh, anti-establishment, more populist sentiment of Missouri voters. And, And, you know, for people have said to me, yes, um, Missouri is more red than it was um, during the 2012 race uh, that Claire McCaskill won against Todd Aiken. Um, However, Kuntz is finding this way to appeal to the more populist instincts of Missouri voters. And, while Missouri is more of a safe red seat, he could pose a serious challenge to mm-hmm. Eric Greitens. The kind of the question mark about Coons, whereas like Scott Sifton's a safer bet because we know that Sifton has a relationship with Missouri voters already. Mm-hmm. And he certainly has a relationship with the Missouri political establishment because he's been around it for a long time. He almost right. ran for governor in 2020. Um, uh, but what appears to be is that Lucas Coons knows how to organize and I don't think that Eric Greitens knows how to organize. I don't. I don't think he has the skill set or the emotional skill set or the well, emotional legally, intelligence. Not to do within that. the rules. Correct. And I He's think that, that he will have similar. Speaking of Trump, I think he'll have similar issues with like keeping campaign staff um, from turning around and just walking out of an office one day because they just had it with him. Um, because again, he's a malignant narcissist and can't be trusted from one minute to the next. Um, and also will probably sexually harass his staff. I mean, he's a mess, right? Like the guy is, is, is a true train wreck and Eric uh, Schmidt, whether or not he knows how to campaign or not, uh, wouldn't matter as much because the establishment, as you've pointed out again, with your, uh, with your research, would like build a wall around him and just like push him to victory. Mm-hmm. Like it would, yeah. it, th- that would be an easy thing. He's the, he's all any, any Missouri voter. If he, if he's able to defeat Vicki Hartzler in a primary, which I still think of the question mark, um, would just see, you know, two things are next to his name and current attorney general of Missouri. And they right. would just tick the box and we'd be, yeah. that'd be it. It wouldn't matter what Coons would do at that point or Sifton or anybody. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So if I think if the Republican establishment continues to be frustrated with Greitens as well, they should be because he could be very, very vulnerable because of himself, because mm-hmm. he's his mm-hmm. own worst enemy. Um, uh, and in if, addition if, to his scandals, I mean, he, you know, from what I understand, when he was elected, Republicans were willing to give him a chance, um, you know, despite his drain the swamp kind of rhetoric. But he really alienated a lot of Republicans. Everybody. In, Yeah. I mean, it's not just, you know, his yucky scandals, um, but it's, it's also just, you know, his professional conduct and and personality was deeply alienating to a lot of Republicans. Well, he doesn't have any real job experience. Like he's been in the military. That's it. Yeah. He was in the military. He ran an, he ran a charity that he stole from. Right. Correct. Um, So, so 
give us the last word on it because you, you closed the piece out with a quote from quotes from uh, former Speaker Tim Jones from the Missouri House uh, talking about Greitens, uh, him coming on the scene like a phoenix and that he may rise again from the ashes. Are you are you really prognosticating here? Are you willing to go on the record on that? Is that a real thing? Not that this is really the record, but it's a record. You know, I mean, I, I think that 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 sentiment of like, is he going to rise from the ashes again? I mean, I, I don't think it's a complete fair comparison between where he was in 16 and where he is now. He's has a lot more baggage mm-hmm. um, now versus then he was just sort of this political outsider, as you said, kind of riding, riding the coattails of Trump's, you know, anti-populist movement, right. uh, not anti-populist, anti-establishment populist movement. Um, but you know, he has a lot more baggage now for sure, but he is leading in the polls and that's, and he's been consistently leading in the polls. And that's something that, you know, I can't ignore. It's, you know, voters have shown, I mean, look, it's not like he's in the thirties, you know, as you said, there's multiple candidates and they are Mm -hmm. splitting. Um, he's in the twenties and I'm sure his campaign would like to be higher, but, um, you know, it, it is where voters seem to go right now. And, you know, yeah. at primaries several months away. Anything can happen between now and then. Um, Plus, we haven't seen the, the formal entrance yet of a potential candidate who is out there. And, and we've had him on our show. He's the only Republican Senate candidate who's come on the show, which is C.W. Gardner. So you might want to check out C.W. Gardner. He shaves with a hatchet. He yeah. shaves with a hatchet. Um, <laughs> unlike Eric Greitens, he really does make things blow up in fields. Uh, so he's worth checking out. Uh, and and okay. for listeners to check out, I, I, I and he's very it sounds like a joke. He's- He's very pro scooter. He's, he's very, pro scooter. He's, he's anti pothole. He's very populist, and uh, I think he's going to be on the on the ballot. We'll see. I mean, we'll see. He, you know, filing hasn't happened yet, but if he is on the ballot, it would be an interesting thing to watch because it's a crowded field. So who the hell knows? <laughs> Anything can happen. Well, Sarah, thank you very much for joining us for this chat, and uh, thanks for your time. And uh, thank you. we should we should do this again. It's nice to talk to somebody who knows Missouri uh, as well as you do. I really appreciate the kind words. Thank you so much. And it was great chatting with you and really uh, fun and insightful to hear your guys' perspective. So thank you so much for having me. Thank you for saying that. We appreciate your time. Thanks so much. The Heartland Pod is a production of Midmap Media, LLC. Follow us on Twitter with at the Heartland Pod. With email, you can reach us, heartlandpod2020 at gmail.com, online with heartlandpod.com, subscribe, and please sign up for our Patreon with patreon.com slash heartlandpod. Become a podhead or an official podgressive today and unlock all of our content. See you at the next show.